Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to episode 55 of Believe in Hockey Prospects. My name is Luke Legrano. And I'm Jess Rubenstein. Thank you for taking the time to spend with us. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. The greatest postseason in sports has arrived, and the Stanley Cup playoffs are already off to an exciting start. But it gets even better because Bet Online is offering you the chance to win some money while you watch. Bet Online has lines, spreads, and props on every game this postseason, so you never have to worry about missing out on the action. But whether you're looking to place a bet on the NHL, the NBA, or any other sport, Bet Online has you covered. So head on over to betonline.ag and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag. Sign up today. This is Believe in Hockey Prospects, the show all about discussing the future stars in the game of hockey. We believe in the future. Do you believe? This week, we'll be talking about the University of St. Thomas adding the son of a Hockey Hall of Famer to their team and some coaching news in the NCAA. But first... The Seattle Kraken have signed their first player in franchise history. Center Luke Henman has made history and becomes the first player to sign with the 32nd NHL team. Henman has spent the last five years in the QMJHL with the Blaineville Blabrian Armada. He's accumulated 63 goals and 214 points in 225 games. He's also been their captain for the last two seasons. But Jess, we've got our first member of the Kraken. What are your thoughts? What is it, 21 more bottles of beer on the wall, 21 bottles of beer. If the Kraken sign 20 more, more players, I'll be a happy camper. <laughs> I know. Seriously, the Kraken, the excitement is so building for this team. I, I mean, I may be a Ranger fan, but I, I'm getting jazzed too. These guys have been pure professional. They signed a good player. You know, he 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 was drawing interest, and I think. Seattle had to jump because if they didn't sign him right then and there, there was the opportunity for him and other teams, and they were not going to get this kid. Yeah, super cool for Hedman. I'm sure he'll be a great answer to a trivia question in a few years. But I'm sure I'm not the only person who thinks it won't be for a long while, if ever, until we see Luke Hedman crack the NHL. I mean, a couple years ago, we all made a lot of noise for Reed Duke when he signed with Vegas. He was a great player for the Brandon Wee Kings. We all had such low expectations for Vegas that we assumed he could be a starter for them. And then Vegas becomes a yearly cup contender, and Reed Duke has still not made it out of the AHL. So I think some people are still of the belief that since everybody saw Vegas rob the other teams in the expansion draft, nobody's going to let that happen again with Seattle. But the salary cap is where it is. There's a lot of bad contracts out there. I think Seattle will be able to bring in just as many assets as Vegas. I'm not ready to say they'll be a playoff team and a cup contender by any means, but I think they're going to bring in a lot of picks and prospects this offseason. So circling all the way back around, congrats to Luke Henman, a huge honor and accomplishment for him, but I'm not sure how much we'll be talking about him much after this week. The expansion draft is something we should talk about. Teams are only going to be allowed to do the, either the 7-3-1, Seven forwards, three defensemen, one goalie, or eight skaters, which is, you know, any combination of forwards and defensemen and one goalie. From what I've seen so far, last night I was just reading about it, how teams are going to start offering them little, shall we say, trinkets of gold. Here, here, young Oliver, 
if we give you this draft pick, would you please take this pain in the ass off our roster? You're going to see a lot of that this year because they have so much room under the salary cap. They have to meet a, a number. I also was looking at previous trades made when Vegas was making their expansion draft picks. The trades looking back are crazy. You look at Florida. Florida obviously has the worst of them all. They said, hey, we'll give you a pick and Jonathan Marcheseau if you promise to take Riley Smith. Those two guys end up on their first line. Columbus says, we'll give you a first if you promise to take David Clarkson's contract and William Carlson. He's their first line center. And then Anaheim throws in Shea Theodore for a pick. Minnesota throws in Alex Tuck for them to take Eric Hollow, who's a great depth piece. The trades are crazy. And to think what they're going to be when Seattle has to come in too. But I was looking at the protected players. You know, so many guys are exempt because they haven't played enough games to constitute being protected. So teams like San Jose, Chicago, the Rangers, Ottawa, the Devils, they have over 20 guys protected in their system already. They don't have to worry about a good chunk of players who are going to have great careers ahead of them, a lot of young talent they can protect. But teams like Tampa Bay, Colorado, Vegas, those guys are going to get screwed. It's going to be interesting, that's for sure. You know, I've been looking at the draft. This isn't exactly, shall we say, let's get excited. We've got, you know, so-and-so-and-so-and-so at the top of the draft. This is kind of a weak draft. If I'm Seattle, I'm saying I don't want anything in 2021. Give me 2022, 2023, when there's going to be. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch Seattle build. I mean, they've got everything but a head coach. I'm wondering, will they have a coach before the draft or after the draft? Because Ron Francis is there. Yeah, you have to hope they bring in a coach beforehand. But when it comes to assets, Jess, I think regardless of what they bring in, I think they can turn those guys into something good. I looked back at the draft where Vegas took their first guys. They took Cody Glass at six. Cody Glass has not been something spectacular, but they ended up taking Nick Suzuki, who they flipped for Max Pacioretty, and they took Eric Brandstrom, who they ended up flicking for Mark Stone, and those guys are going to be really great young talents. So what Seattle's got and what they can make out of these trades in this expansion draft, it's going to be so exciting, but you're right. They need a head coach because you need that vision of where you want to go when you start taking those guys on the expansion draft day. You know, like last year, you thought one through 10, you were getting yourself a really good player. And this year, it's going to be maybe one through one through five. The players are just not there this year. A lot of teams have needs, especially if you're a team in trouble, this isn't your draft. Yeah, actually, Jess, I think Steve Coriano mentioned it on our last episode. Any team that wins the lottery this year is not going to be over the moon about being the number one team, especially with these rules coming in next year where you can't win a certain number of years in a row. There's a lot of guys that I think that will trickle down and will be good players. I think guys like Aturati, Carson Lambeau, Mason McTavish, those guys I think will be solid and have great careers, but no one's really got that, that punch to them outside the top five. You're right. So guys like Brant Clark, who, you know, originally were a top three player now falling to around the seven or eight range in most mock drafts. Yes. For Wallstadt, Cole Sillinger, those guys are good. I mean, like, they're good players. I'd be happy to have any of them on my team, but you're right. There's no there's no Quentin Byfield, Tim Stuzel, Alexi Lafreniere here. No one's going to shock the system, really. You know, we talk about these things. We're starting to form things based on needs. I looked at the draft, and I see, you know, guys that I would have liked the Rangers to have picked, you know, since I'm a Ranger fan. 
like uh, Rati, Aturati. That's what they need. Mason McTavish, that's what he needs. Not going to be there. So when they come up and it looks like they're going to be at 15, their first need is a playmaking center or a physical center. And guess what? That ain't there. There's so-sos. I mean, do you want to take a chance on like a, a guy that plays in the VHL? Then you need a goal-scoring center. Then you need a two-way center. And you know what? You're going to get a so-so center. Maybe Cole Solinger. That's who I would take. Yeah, a lot of centers available in the top 15 that people have going pretty quickly. It's crazy to think that a guy like Kent Johnson is going to fall all the way to around 9 or 10 but he won't make it to the Rangers, especially it, it, that's a team that you're looking at, definitely. But so many guys that could go anywhere in that 10 to 20 range just because they're good, but not phenomenal. So the Rangers could really take advantage of taking a guy like Francesco Pinelli or Cole Sillinger, Aturati, if he falls that far, but they're just not gonna. We'll have to talk about the expansion draft once the playoffs are over. But Jess, we have another signing to talk about, or in this case, a commitment. Cameron Recchi, son of Hockey Hall of Famer Mark Recchi, has announced on Twitter that he'll be leaving the BCHL and joining the University of St. Thomas. Recchi spent this past season with the Salmon Arms Silverbacks, where he recorded five goals and 12 points in 20 games. He becomes the 13th player to commit to St. Thomas. And Jess, we certainly know what his father's capable of, a three-time Stanley Cup champion. Played across four different decades, the oldest player to score in a Stanley Cup final game, and now behind the bench in New Jersey. So you were pretty excited when you saw this, Jess. What do you think of adding Recchi does for St. Thomas? It's instant credibility. The St. Thomas, the Tommies, as they like to be called, they've been a force to be reckoned with down in the lower divisions. But now they're coming to Division One, and they're coming with lights on fire. I don't believe they'll have as great a season as, say, uh, any of the other new schools, Long Island University or... Or even still, I still consider Arizona State as a newbie because they can't find a home. Yeah, definitely. And you put it perfectly, Jess. I really think this just adds a little more legitimacy to the program. The Tommies also added Nolan Sawchuk, who I believe Elite Prospect said is the great, great nephew of Hockey Hall of Famer Terry Sawchuk. So they've got two guys from great hockey families. They've got guys like Trevor Zins, who was recruited to play at St. Cloud, Peter Tomei, who played games at North Dakota. It, the beauty of being a new program, like you said, the bar has been set to the floor of what people expect from you. Nobody expected Arizona State to be good. Nobody expected LIU to win a game. I think Penn State is the only team in recent memory who made the jump to D1, and we're expected to be more than okay. And Penn State is one of the most widely recognized universities in the nation. So the Tommies are going to be in a tough conference. They still need to add a lot of players before we can get a complete picture of what they're going to be. But I think St. Thomas and Coach Blasey have laid the groundwork where we can expect them to win a few games next season. Coach Blasey started that uh, group of one for Miami of Ohio. So I've watched that boy for years. He preaches defense. He's also opening up his game, letting his kids, you know, play an up-tempo game. So that's going to be appealing to a lot of recruits because they know that, you know, Blasey has been a winner. It's a new school, best chance scenario. Yeah, absolutely. And one last piece of college hockey news we got here, Jess. From your neck of the woods, University of Maine has a new head coach, former associate and recruiting coordinator Ben Barr. 
is now the head coach of the Black Bears. He spent five seasons at the associate head coach over at UMass and just won their first national title in program history. They'd never reached the Frozen Four before, but they say, Jess, this guy's all about the recruitment. He's done it all over the place. I believe Providence and Western Michigan were also on his resume as places that he was heavily involved in the recruiting here. So big news for you, man, here, but some big shoes to fill. Jess, you think he's got the chance to do it? Hockey East. That's all you got to say. It's Hockey East. Maine has uh, fallen on some hard times. And I think, you know, by staying inside the program and giving somebody a chance to uh, continue what their past coach did is important. There's going to be some college coaches out on the market, you know, hey, David Quinn, hi. I wouldn't be surprised to see him go back to a college job. But I think with Maine, they made the right choice. Absolutely. And I think recruiting is going to be a huge part of it because obviously you can't just replace Red Gendron. He's a legend in college hockey and in Maine. Obviously, the Black Bears had a nice little groundwork there. They were going to make the tournament before COVID. And then this past season, they had a really tough time. But we know what kind of talent has gone to Maine. Jeremy Swayman is now tearing up the NHL. He was one of the Hobie nominees, recently a Maine Black Bear himself. So we know how good Maine can be. And hopefully if we can get some guys to come there that want to play there and have some real credibility to their game, I think Maine can be a contender in one of the deadliest conferences in all of college hockey. Well, you also got to remember, there's that one-time get-out-of-jail transfer rule. So he can go around raiding schools. He's still going to be in good shape. Maine, congrats. You got yourself a real good coach. Let's hope you guys can get back to your former glory because I covered those guys in the 2000s. Man, that was fun to see the Black Bears. And it's sad to see them falling on hard times. I also, I would be remiss if I didn't mention this last week, Bill Riga, former Quinnipiac assistant coach, now joining the Holy Cross hockey team is going to be their head coach. And speaking of recruiting, Bill was a huge part of recruiting for Quinnipiac, but him and Reed Cashman were two of the smartest minds we had behind the bench, along with Rand Pecknold. So anyone who goes to Holy Cross, you got someone great on your hands. Bill has been a staple of the Quinnipiac hockey team, an absolute joy to watch. And, you know, the players have nothing but amazing things to say about him. A big loss for Quinnipiac. Hopefully they'll have enough of their reputation to ride on. Rand Pechtel still one of the greatest head coaches in college hockey, in my opinion. Huge get for Holy Cross. I really expect them to have an uptick. And Atlanta hockey, man, they're going to be exciting. One more team to be competitive this year. That's going to do it for us. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at the Prospect Park for Jess, at Luke Legrano for myself. If you like this episode, be sure to rate us five stars on iTunes. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts and share this episode with your friends. Thanks for listening to another episode of Believe in Hockey Prospects. My name is Luke Legrano. I'm Jess Rubenstein. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. We hope to see you next time. Take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.